0: Welcome to the first episode of the Spooky Rip Gene Mom. My name is Peyton, and I wanted to start this podcast because I am a true crime junkie. My favorite podcast right now to listen to is Cult Leader by Spencer Henry. Um, and so I had wanted to do a podcast, and I kind of want to do one based on my life, and then my life is not that interesting. So I thought, what not put two of my favorite things together? So I'm very excited to get this started. Like I said, my name is Peyton. I have been married for almost four years to Bailey, and we got married. He joined the Navy, and six months ago, we just had our beautiful daughter, Paisley. So that's the spooky, ripped Jean mom. Um, kind of came up with it because I love ripped jeans and I have not shined away from those since I became a mom. I know people are like, oh, start dressing like a mom. And that's not me at all. Totally not on that. So I'm very excited and let's get started. To start us off, the first, not even gonna lie, the first 50 episodes are going to be the states in alphabetical order over um, most popular serial killer or true crime that has happened there. And then um, I did this because I didn't want to start off with one like Ted Bundy where it's super um, media coverage and popularized and kind of one that people would expect me to do right away. I am intrigued by the Ted Bundy case, not because I want to glamorize him, but just because this man got away with so much and it catches me by surprise when they had all of the details about him. Anyway, I will be doing popular serial killers, but to get us started, I wanted to do one that wasn't as popular. So we're doing it in Alabama with Thomas Warren Weisenhack. He was born January 29th, 1947, in Pritchard, Alabama, and his parents are Willie and Emma Weisenhot. He has four siblings, but the only two out of the four children that were named were Thomas himself and then his sister Evelyn, because she did speak at his trial on numerous different things. But um, from what Evelyn has said, Emma, the mom, basically ruled the house. She also encouraged her kids to physically harm her husband, Willie, who she also physically harmed, but encouraged her kids to harm him with either shoes or other things found around the house. Which to me, like, how are you going to bring your kids into this? Like, that is horrific. I could never imagine being like, hey, Paisley, beat your dad with his shoe. Who in their right mind thinks like that? Thomas was the fourth and the last child that Emma had, and once he was born, Emma actually ended all sexual relationships with Willie, and she never allowed Willie to sleep in their bed again. He had to sleep in a completely different house, which, weird, kind of creepy. Um, she then had... Thomas sleep in her bed until she, he was like six, but then after that, until he was 16, he slept in her room with her, which again, creepy. Like, I get it. I miss Paisley when she goes to her bedroom, totally understand that. But the fact that this boy is 16 and still sleeping in a bedroom with his mom is weird. That I don't assume goes well with his social development um willie though was an alcoholic and he would often get drunk off of moonshine and then he would try to sneak into evelyn's bedroom and seduce emma well emma did not like that emma would end up beating him for coming into the room and not only would she do that but she would then go through Willie's wallet and make sure that his paycheck matched up to the money that Willie gave her. And if it didn't match up, she would assume that Willie stole from her and that she would then end up beating him again. Now, if you're not working and your husband is making this money, why, how would he have stolen from you? That is my my big question. Like how, in the world it doesn't work like that it like how does he have an allowance like that's that's weird to me like and it would be weird to me if Willie was working and then gave Emma an allowance because when you're married it's shared money you know it goes to everything but why would you accuse him of stealing if stuff didn't match up like why there's bills that got to be paid It was believed, though, from what Evelyn has said, that if Willie wasn't drunk, he did help take care of the house. He did make sure things were, like, clean and things like that. Dishes were done. But if he was drunk, he just would to do anything. And most of the time, he was drunk. It Though Evelyn did say that Emma was only abusive towards Willie. And she was overprotective towards Thomas. Thomas, in Evelyn's mind, could never do anything wrong. No matter what. Like, he could get in trouble at school. Not his fault. Um, she even went to get gas with him when he turned 16. He could not go to the gas station alone. Like, she always had to be there. Emma is one of those, like, helicopter parents, but way more advanced than helicopter parent. Then, um... When Thomas did get in trouble for the first time, that is when Emma kind of went off the rails and went a little bit crazy. I am going to kind of backtrack a little bit just to get a little bit more insight on from what Evelyn has said has gone down with Thomas and his mom. So Evelyn said that up until about the age of 12 Thomas was a very mild child, and he wasn't a mean kid. He was very nice. But then once he turned 12, it was like a light switch. Like puberty definitely hit him harder. Um, He became extremely moody. He was often violent, and sometimes he was even violent towards Evelyn and his mom. Evelyn said that their mom had an accident when she was a kid involving um, her arm being severely damaged, and it was withered and out of rage he would grab it which when it's withered it's still painful and so he would just grab her arm to bring her pain. Evelyn did say that living in their house every day was hell and then you had Thomas getting in trouble when he was 16 Then in 1963, outside of Thomas' house, there was a loud sound that Evelyn remembers, and she thought that it was a car backfiring, but it was later found by police to be a gunshot that had killed an elderly lady. The police found the gun in an empty lot that actually happened to be next to Thomas' house, and right away he became a suspect. This was not the first encounter, though, that Thomas had with the police. The police thought he was involved in several purse robberies and minor assaults on young girls, along with other crimes, but he was never formally charged with those. Later on, the police officer had said that they had recommended Thomas get psychiatric help, but that his parents shut it down because they didn't think anything was wrong with Thomas, This led experts to believe that with Thomas's state of mind, they thought his attacks were related to his abnormal childhood and that he was aware of his actions when committing the crimes. A mobile psychiatrist named Brown believed that since Emma had coddled and petted and spoiled Thomas, he never mentally was able to mature into a man. So then on October 16th, 1976, Thomas kidnapped, raped and shot a 23 year old convenience store clerk, which let me tell y'all, I, no joke, am absolutely terrified to go to stores by myself because of this. Like I am 23 and it's not directly with the story. It's just everything because, you know, men, but I am a 23 year old girl. And I don't look 23. I look like I'm 16. And so going places by myself, especially with my daughter, freaks me out. I carry pepper spray on me at all times. And usually if I can, I have a friend come with me because I know if something happens, Paisley will be taken care of by someone. Anyway, side note. Um... It is not believed, though, that money or sex appear to be what caused Thomas to kill this 23-year-old girl. They never mention her name, which is totally fine with me. Um, Sometimes I don't like giving victims names because I feel bad. But if I'm going to talk about the killer, then their names need to be heard as well because it's justice for them. So... Other than really that story and a couple others, there's not much on the murders that he had done because he only admitted at first to killing one victim, and it was his last one named Cheryl Lynn Payton. Um, But then he did later on confess to killing two more people, Venora... Hyatt and Patricia hit in April 1976 he ended up stealing a watch from a mutilated body that he actually ended up giving to his wife as a present I don't know about y'all but I would not I would not find comfort in that later on in life I would not if I found out that my husband was killing people and then gave me a watch I would be thoroughly disgusted investigators did get a profile um a psychological profile on the suspect that they believed to be killing all of these women six months before thomas was caught so a whole six months before um the profile on their suspect was that he'd be weak powerless timid fearful and they also believed that the suspect had discovered he could reverse those feelings of, like, feeling weak, the powerless, the timid, if he had control over somebody else. So, and they got this based on focusing on the first horrific murder. They believed that he would be a man who grew up with a weak father and a dom- domine- dom- domineering mother. I don't know why I couldn't talk. That was terrible. Um, Which is very much Emma. Emma was very dominated, very much had to have control over the whole house. Willie had no say in anything, never stood up to Emma, and was, I wouldn't say a very weak man, but the alcohol and him being drunk a lot was definitely not a good role for a young boy to watch. It is believed that after Thomas killed his victims, he would cut them up smoke a cigarette and drink beer in silence that is the most nonchalant thing that I've ever heard like that didn't bother you like none of this seemed any sort of bothersome to you like you could just do that afterwards um it was said that any jailhouse visitor that had gone to visit Thomas said that he had playboy model pictures up and he had cut them up and disfigured them, just like he would do with his victims. He also told investigators after his arrest for Cheryl that he didn't know why he did it and then even had the audacity to ask them why he did it. So Brown, the guy before who said that due to him being coddled by his mom, this is what probably played a factor because he never got to mature into a man, he also believed that no sexual implications had ever occurred Um, but he did say one sees their top of the iceberg the iceberg being the massive overprotection of this individual the massive clinging mutually child to mother mother to child and his depending on his mother was engineered by emma another expert said other the other side of that dependency is resentment. So the reason why he was killing these women was basically because he had mommy issues, which is no excuse for killing women, but I feel like that's the excuse that most male serial killers have is the fact that they had mommy issues, like their mom's, were the type of moms that'd be like he's my baby not yours like the mother-in-laws that are like I gave birth to him he'll always be my baby and you're like I literally married this man three years ago you if you want him back take him but then they don't they just go on and on and on about how much they love their son and it's like the gross kind of like you're taking it a little too far there Bethy you know what I mean you know what I mean So, that being said, the Brown also had said that due to Willie's alcoholism, due to Willie's alcoholism and his inability to rise above himself or his abusive wife, he was a non entity of a man to be like a role model for Thomas as a functional male model. Like, he just was non existent, which we're not surprised about. We've already we've already known this. Thomas was then sentenced September 7th of 1977, which a fun fact is a whole 20 years before my birthday. my birthday, September 7th of 1997. Virgos are the move. He then pled guilty to killing Cheryl, Venora and Patricia. He was sentenced to death. And it is like I did include his last meal in here because I always find serial killers' last meal to be really interesting. Like, I feel like it says a lot about them, especially like their last words as well. Like, Tupac's last words after being shot was to one of his best friends, and he said, fuck you. Like, what? Um, anyway, Thomas's last meal happened to be a chicken leg, French fries. American cheese, or it, they just said an orange drink, so I'm assuming either Hi C or Fanta. Um, coffee and chocolate pudding, like that is the most five year old meal I've ever met in my entire life. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie. It is a kid's meal. That is why he's not. Like that's how you can tell that he just mentally wasn't a man. Because I feel like mentally, if he was, he would have been like, I want a steak. Who wants American sliced cheese as part of their last meal? And like chocolate pudding? What? Um, he actually declined final words. He did not want to give any final words. He was executed May 27th of 2010. I did find other sources, though, that said 2009, uh, and then multiple sources that said 2010. So it's either or. Like, I looked up his death, it said 2009, but then in one of, like, the articles I read and then another article I read that wasn't Wikipedia, they said 2010. So we're just gonna go with it. It's one of those. Um, he, and he was killed by lethal injection, he happened to be the 24th murderer executed in the U.S. in 2010. He was the 1,212th murderer executed since 1976. He was the first executed in Alabama in 2010. And the 45th murderer executed since 1976 in Alabama. So Alabama doesn't seem to do the death penalty too often unless it's super severe which in this case from the amount of women that they said there was six women and he only claimed three of them so and the way that he did it was just so brutal I am not surprised that a state that does not usually do the death penalty did the death penalty in this case um a little bit about his parents. His dad, Willie, died way before finding out that Thomas was arrested and that Thomas had, create like, done all of these heinous murders. Um, so he, I mean, he knows. If you believe in heaven or hell or whatever, like, he's seen it. He knows. He probably could feel it. Um, but his mom, Emma, didn't die until 1984, After he was already arrested and sentenced. So she got to see him through everything and stood by him completely. Um, She did visit him on death row multiple times until she died. And she never spoke on their murders. Emma and Willie would have been married for 40 years when Willie passed away. So, it's just crazy to me that these murders happened and there wasn't much to the stories. Like, the only story they really talked about was Cheryl's. They never said really anything about Verona, Venora, I'm so sorry, Venora, or Patricia. Nothing. Um, And with that, because there wasn't much, I didn't want to really look it up. They explained that his MO was similar in all the cases. Um, So we pretty much know how they did pass away. If you guys have any serial killer stories or you guys have anything that you want to know more about, my Instagram is p.kennedy. That's with two Ys at the end. And my Facebook is just Peyton Kennedy. Feel free to DM me or message me, kind of like ideas that you want to listen to. I'm also thinking about having different episodes where I talk more about myself, just so you guys can get to know me better as listeners. Um, Even though I know probably most of you starting off are people that already know me, but if you want to get to know me more, feel free to DM me. I also have Snapchat that I use a lot and that's just pay 32 um but I probably won't answer if I don't know you on snapchat so instagram's probably your best way and just be like oh I listen to the podcast um I hope that you guys really enjoyed this first episode And I'm excited for the next one. It's over an Alaskan serial killer named Robert Hansen, a.k.a. The Butcher Baker. So I'm really excited about that one. He's pretty, I wouldn't say intense, but he definitely made you want to be like, hmm, not everybody is who they seem like they are. Bye.